Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transportation Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The chemical industry is expanding. 72% of chemical company CEOs said they saw more growth potential for the industry in 2016 than in the previous three years, and that's according to PwC's 2016 Global CEO Survey. Two years out, an emerging technology like AI and blockchain has cemented itself as more than just emerging. Digitization has expanded the relationship between the provider and the consumer, in turn opening doors to new markets with untouched potential sales. All of this combined with a good economy, several catastrophes that have called for citywide rebuilds, and seasonal shipments are paving the way for an increase in products sold and products shipped in the chemical industry. Though this feels like a positive for the manufacturers and the providers, the logistics back end of the industry is struggling. Over the road and rail congestion has hit an all-time high, truck drivers are aging out, and the current infrastructure is just not equipped for such massive growth. Where does the chemical production industry go from here? To help make sense of this cross-industry issue are two members of the logistics company team, Alex Azarito, VP of Sales and Marketing, and Josh Savory, Operations Manager. They both break down how the increase in demand, not the shortage of supply, has caused this issue. Along with how to deal with increasing rates, tips for staying flexible on delivery dates, and how government regulations and tariffs may ease the problem in a roundabout way, Azaredo and Savory stress heavily the importance of collaboration in this time of growth and strain for the industry. All right, Alex, Josh, welcome to the podcast. How are you both doing today? Great. How are you? Well, man. I'm super. Yeah, great to have you both on and excited to dig into sort of this multi-industry issue today. Um, you represent the logistics company, which helps coordinate logistics and transportation um, for moving chemicals, moving fuels, moving moving uh, liquid bulk. So you have your niche. And, you know, though you focus on the chemical industry, what you do also has a heavy play on the transportation industry. And that is the main point of the podcast today is analyzing how the growth of the chemical industry is affecting the transportation industry and how you get ahead, basically how you don't allow that growth to stunt, you know, actually moving the product. So before we jump in, I'd like to know from both of you, what have you seen as growth in your industry? You know, when someone says, oh yeah, the chemical industry is expanding. I mean, what does that really mean? Are you seeing more sales? Are you seeing more refined products, more people entering the market? Um, you know, I guess describe that for me uh, from your experience. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, throughout the U.S., we're seeing a lot more manufacturing going on than uh, in, in recent years. Um, we're also seeing a lot of companies where, uh, in the past, they weren't really looking at their own logistics. Um, they would get on a load board or they would just talk to a broker and hand off a load. Um, and now you see a lot more companies actually having their own logistics departments. Uh, a lot of companies really, you know, trying to, you know, benefit financially um, and, and, and try to, um, you know, increase their their their, their bottom line, um, increase margins because freight can play a huge, huge uh, part into when you're selling chemicals. Um, you know, if, if you're two, three pennies off, you know, you, you might not even get the business. So we're seeing companies, you know, being more, um, ha having free, you know, in influence more of what they're, uh, what they're, how they're purchasing and how they're going about the way they, uh, they, they, they do business. Yeah. And 
that much more growth from one industry. I mean, that's indicative of what we're seeing across a ton of different industries. Everything that's tied into logistics and logistics management is putting such a strain on capacity out there. So that's kind of what's forcing these companies to take a closer look at what they're doing for logistics, who they're using for logistics, maybe branch out to more companies to try to get, you know, more competitive rates or just really more capacity. Um, you know, as things continue to grow, everybody's kind of dipping into the same pool here. Uh, so, you know, that kind of competitiveness, that's, it's good for us. Um, and it, and it puts us in a good position to, to have many more opportunities. Definitely. Well, you know, just referencing this survey that I found online, it's uh, the PwC's 2016 Global CEO Survey. Um, in their survey, 72% of chemical company CEOs said that there were more opportunities for growth in that year than there were three years earlier. And that was, you know, 2016. Now we're even two years further out from that point, and we've seen changes in technology. We see consumer preferences opening up, new potential sales in new markets, um, digitization, expanding the relationship between the providers and the customers. I mean, I think everything is moving at a much faster pace, and so to keep up, now you're having to transport more material. Now you're having to, you know, ship and deal with an industry that wasn't made to ship such uh, high quantities of material. And so it's, it's balancing that out. That must be tough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, what we see from our end is there's not a shortage of trucks. There is just uh, a higher demand than there has been in recent years. And the supply of trucks have always kind of stayed around the same um, is, what, is what we see. But yeah, I mean, think about the hurricanes that are coming through, the amount of infrastructure that's being damaged. I mean, everything from roofs, insulation, wiring, cable, flooring. Uh, I mean, you name it, uh, you know, the chemical industry plays a huge part into just building a house, um, fire retardants, UV inhibitors. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing when you, when you come down to it. I mean, you know, chemicals are, are a huge part of our day-to-day lives. Yeah, right. And in ways that typically people aren't going to even think about, oh yeah, my house is <laughs> flooded with chemicals, right? Like every aspect of keeping my house safe and rebuilding my house is, yeah, you, you need to be coating with chemicals. You need to be inserting the chemicals. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy how ubiquitous it really can be. Um, so, you know, when we look at over the road and rail congestion and delays and price increases, break that down for me a bit from just the congestion angle first. Uh, what are some specific examples of things that have changed over the last few years that are really putting a strain on this demand for trucks? Because you said it yourself, there's not a shortage. It's not like there's been any potential or there's been any specific change to the transportation industry. It's just that all the other industries that utilize these freights and utilize these shipping lines now just need to ship more product and they're having trouble meeting that demand. So uh, what are some specific examples of changes in the last few years that have really put a strain on the transportation industry? Well, I think rail was always looked at as the option to save money, um, but at the cost of obviously moving a lot slower. Um, so a lot of the companies we dealt with, um, time and on-time delivery was a little bit more important um, than cost. Um, when it became clear that you know over-the-road trucking was reaching its peak as, as far as availability, um, a lot of companies to react started leaning on their customers to be a little bit more flexible uh, with their delivery dates so they could utilize, you know, intermodal options, rail options, um, 
make some money, but also just just to offer capacity. Well, you know, we you know, it's it's something to say that a truck can deliver on this lane in two days versus, you know, a, a seven to eight day transit time. But it doesn't really mean much if you can't find a truck. Um, but I just think with the flux of companies turning to intermodal and trying to rely on intermodal all at once, um, it's, it's just kind of the ebb and flow of the market. Everyone swinging to, to one just leads to a lot of congestion um, on the rail. You start to see many more companies doing that, um, trying to save money, trying to secure capacity there. Um, I think it's just growth in the economy overall is just it's it's strained all levels of transportation. Um, the, the swing over to trying to use intermodal, trying to use rail. Um, it worked for some, um, but now, you know, we, we used to see spot quotes uh, for intermodal dry moves that would be at least a thousand, maybe 2000 less. Uh, and now just because of capacity, you've got those companies offering those, those lanes at much higher rates. Sometimes the, the rate, it, the where the rate is, it doesn't even make sense to use intermodal anymore. It does. It, it used to be, you can save a thousand dollars by having a longer transit time. Now it's, you just have a longer transit time and it's almost the same cost. So that's been, that's been kind of the, the trend as, as you put it, uh, towards using intermodal more than a drive in. Yeah. Then if you want to add to that for over the road, I mean, that is just getting, um, it's just, be get, it, it's, it's getting pretty squirrely. I mean, it is, you have ELD mandates, you have driver hour, you know, they can only drive so, so many hours a week. Um, and it's, you know, that's, that's putting a, that's putting a damper on, um, on a lot of these guys pay. Um, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of these long haul drivers, you know, they're becoming more, uh, you know, terminal to terminal, um, kind of like a spider web effect. So it's pretty, um, yeah, it's getting it's getting uh, it's, it's getting wild out there. It's right. Well, I mean, especially with just sort of the overarching labor shortage that we see just beyond just the transportation industry, just in the United States in general. And then you tack onto that, that the average age of the truck driver is you know around 67 years old. Um, I mean, that's relatively pretty old uh, for someone that needs to be driving long hours and doing it several times a week. I mean, you need stamina, you need the ability to stay focused. Uh, I mean, there's there's just so much mental and physical strain that goes into just being a truck driver. And so, you know, you're not really seeing a big influx of young, eager people wanting to become truck drivers. And then the current age of truck drivers gets older and older and they're starting to age out. I'm sure that doesn't help the issue at all. No, certainly not. And, uh, you know, that that kind of leads the discussion more to why we're seeing rates. Another reason we're seeing rates across the board rise is, you know, companies are having to rise their rates. Um just from the standpoint of they need to be able to afford to retain drivers. You know, it's a, it's a driver's market right now with this much demand and this much growth, you're putting carriers in a position where they can afford to be picky about what they want to move, what works better for their company model rather than, you know, just booking loads because that's what's available. You know, drivers have the options now they're literally in the driver's seat. They can pick what load works best for them on a given day. Um, what works best for their transit, what weight works best for their truck if they own their truck. Um, and I think that in order for companies to retain their drivers to keep them from moving to other companies, uh, you know, that's that's another piece of it. They they need to be able to offer them competitive pay. Sometimes it's it's bonuses based on how many loads they do. And then to combat, as you said, the, you know, the looming um, driver age issue, that's that's been an issue that they've been talking about. Every Everyone in the industry has been talking about for the last five years. They've seen this and they know that over the 
next five to 10 years, we're going to be losing a, a huge portion of the drivers that are on there. So in order to create some kind of incentive to attract younger drivers um, to add to the fleet, uh, to keep up with all of the demand from all of these industries, you know, they're having to put these, these bonuses out there. They're having to offer, you know, we'll pay for your education, we'll pay for your licensing just to get you on board. Um, so a lot of that's all pretty much affecting the rates um, as far as we can see it. So, yeah, what about on the government regulation side of things? I mean, I know there were some tariffs that hit the states not too long ago, some that are finalizing and going into effect now, some that still have to go under revision. Um, but those Section 3 tariffs were uh, really looking to affect the chemical industry. So are you seeing that side of things also affect this ebb and flow between the growth of the chemical industry and also just trying to ship all that product out? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, it is just... Uh it's a war. I mean, uh, I think, what is it? The first list is 10%. The second and third list are 25%. Uh, we don't do much on the import-export side um, of products, but we do do a lot of uh, drayage containers in a lot of major the ports in the East Coast um, and do do some, some on the West Coast. But yeah, we're seeing that on a, on a decline. Um, well, well, actually, right now, we're seeing a lot of containers coming into the port just because I think people are trying to get it in before, the, uh, before that tariff hits um, and is finalized. But um, yeah, we're uh, we're not sure what's going to happen next year because um, it's uh, you know it's 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 a good part of our business, um, especially when you get you know when you start looking at warehousing and inventory, um, you know you know I guess that's going to be a problem you know for a lot of companies you know there's not going to be as much inventory stored uh, prices are definitely going up, but from a trucking side I said uh, I I wouldn't think that affects us too much um, I would say it's more from a you know a distributor or manufacturer standpoint. Um, but from a trucking side, that wouldn't really affect the rate and availability. Um, if anything, it might it might help availability um, on the over the road versus, um, you know, having, you know, be pulling stuff out of the ports constantly. So I would say port congestion will probably um, come to a minimum, which would be would, would be helpful. So this kind of leads me to two follow up questions here. And it's really looking at how both sides of this industry are going to adapt or what you think are best practices here moving forward. Because, I mean, with the construction boom, with some of these, I mean, seasonal um, freight movements of, of oil, let's say, um, let's say with some of these tariffs coming through, there's consistent changes. It's not like this is going to just solve itself tomorrow. Um, so the transportation industry, the people that are shipping all these chemicals need to find a way to adapt. And then I think the chemical companies as well need to find a way to adapt. So let's start with the transportation side of things. Uh, how do you see the next steps for the logistics side of shipping these chemicals? Um, how do you think that they can lower rates, um, expand you know, railroad traffic or um, you know, ease up on some of the over-the-road congestion? I mean, do you think that they're going to build more rails? Do you think that they're going to try to increase their outreach to hire new drivers? I mean, what do you think that next step is to really try and ease the transportation side of things? Well, I think to start off with, you know, we'll start with the rate side of things. Um, if anything, rates are going to be going up. We sat down with a lot of our carriers in the past few weeks, and um, these trucking companies are not making any more money off this boom. Um, the price of trucks right now, uh, the price of trailers, running and leasing equipment, the price of drivers to hold drivers onto your staff, the price that it costs to get bonuses, um, 
just to entice these drivers to want to stay and work for you. Um, pumps, hoses, equipment, all that affects the, the rates. So the rates are definitely going to be going up. So like them, them raising their rates isn't to, you know, gain those profits, it's really just to stay on par with the increase in price on everything else that's, you know, allowing them to ship the products. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we don't really see the rates, uh, really, really moving any, uh, any lower than what they are now. But, um, Josh. Yeah. I think in terms of you're, you're speaking more in terms of, you know, what, what can each area of transportation do to try to kind of go with the way things are growing now to try to keep up with demand. I think all the pressure is on the transportation side of things. Um, to keep on, you know, their marketing campaigns to hire more drivers. That's that's the biggest stress for the logistics market. How are they going to keep up with all of the drivers they're expecting to lose just due to age and retirement? Um, how they're going to keep up with retaining drivers, um, you know, it, despite the pay of drivers now, despite we're talking about bonuses and raises, it's it's still not seen as an attractive job. So it's 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 a heavy burden on the market to try to sell that to younger people. Yeah, I think that um, in terms of other industries, I mean, that's what transportation has to handle. I think that all three facets of transportation, the shippers, the receivers and and the transportation companies, I think there just needs to be more of a focus on flexibility. I think that we've seen that happen definitely over the last six to eight months. I think the initial boom of demand um, kind of caught people off guard. Um, but I think people have definitely settled into the pattern. I think that you know, a lot of our customers, fortunately, um, have become a lot more flexible. They give a lot more lead time. Um, it's all about communicating accurate volumes, communicating accurate schedules ahead of time, having a, a good idea of a plan. That way you can communicate with your carrier of choice or your brokerage of choice to, to try to get a plan in place ahead of time. That's how that's the best way to secure capacity and at a guaranteed rate. Um, if you can have those talks ahead of time, not, you know, three days before something needs to ship. Um, and then from from a shipper standpoint, it's it's also comes down to flexibility and communication. A, a lot of shippers, physical shippers, very restricted plant hours, very restricted requirements. Um, I think that that's kind of put a bottleneck on capacity as well. That's something that you know we've we've had numerous conversations with with shippers and with receivers that you know we deal with daily. And the most successful orders are always the ones in which all of the parties involved are as flexible as they can possibly be just to, to make it happen. Right. And, you know, being willing to get that product out there uh, in a method that maybe isn't their favorite. Right. Or yeah, and I, I would say, too, I mean, you know, look at look at different options. You know, if you're bringing ISO containers into the port, well, it might be cheaper, you know, moving a flexi bag in, um, you know, or it might be cheaper moving product via totes and drums versus, you know, liquid bulk. Um, so, but, you know, then you got to figure the price of the container, the, you know, the manpower that it takes, the labor that it takes to, to load the the totes, move the forklift. So there's, there's, you know, I would, I would say just be more optimistic in the way you ship products. And then also I would say definitely, um, you know, the relationships you have with brokers, truckers, these asset guys is, you know, um, you know, keep them happy because, that you know, the load that might be picking up for you might have gotten held up because the previous customer didn't gauge their tanks right. So inventory, I would say, is a huge um, is definitely a huge part that that plays, um, you know, don't don't run yourself so low that you're getting into shutdown mode. But also, um, you know, don't don't call a driver in when you have a half a tank, because when that driver comes and he has a heel of a thousand gallons or 500 gallons, well, 
he can't go anywhere either until you sign off to dispose of it or unless you have an extra tote or drum on site where you can you can empty out the rest of that heel. So and then it and then it, then you know every hour is 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 vital because now he's held up for the next load, the next load. So these dispatchers and planners, you know, they get pretty aggravated with that, and uh, you know they're not afraid to to drop a customer um, because of uh, of negligence. Um, you know, there's plenty of business out there, so you know it's uh, it's a doggy dog world. Sure is, sure is, and then that kind of brings me to the next point, which is how should the chemical companies out there respond to this growth. You know, I, I I don't know if it's fair to say, hey, y'all are growing and there's so much demand out there and you shouldn't take it because we might not be able to ship it all. You know, it's like, oh, that that's tough, right? I mean, do you want to curb your growth because of issues on the logistics side of things that there may not be uh, drivers to get your products out or, you know, the rates for rail shipments are just much too high. So how should chemical companies respond to this growth and to this congestion on the transportation side? Should they just continue to operate and grow kind of how they've been? You know, don't, don't, push back, try to work with the transportation companies to see, you know, how you can help them adapt or should the chemical companies, you know, take a step back and say, maybe let's be a little more realistic about what we can actually ship in the current climate and try to grow together. You know, what, what would be your take? Yeah. I think if you, uh, if you never ask, you'll never know. So it's definitely worth asking, you know, um, and, and sitting down with that broker, with that, with that trucking company and figuring out, you know, let's let's get the best of both worlds i'm successful you you're successful you know you know we we can both make money um because that's you know that's what at the end of the day that's what everyone here is you know doing we're trying to make money um so yeah I, it, it's you know from us it's a relationship thing you know we're we're always emailing calling you know visiting our, our 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 truckers just to say thank you and you know how can we do better um so i think that's something that 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 every company can do is communication I mean, because without communication, you're you're not getting anywhere. Um, if you're if you're sending files to the trucking company that you're using just to get an order out, well, that's a waste of their time and poor you know time management. So if there's if there's a way you can kind of have your standing operating procedures in order and making sure everyone's on the same page, I think that would be uh, that would be definitely pretty uh, beneficial. But um, you know, it's tough. It's tough, Josh. Yeah, I think ultimately it, it all comes down to communication. You need to communicate as much information as you can as early as you can. Um, if if companies should never um, want to curb their growth, um, you always want to take advantage of opportunities like this. When when the economy is strong, you you want to grow with the economy. Um, you don't want to let fear kind of inhibit your choices to grow. But um, being cognizant of the fact that there you know there are strains on the logistics side, and not to shy away from that, but you, you just accept the issue and, and kind of face it head on. You get ahead of it by communicating, finding carriers um, well well in advance, communicating with them about how many trucks per day will you need? What are the exact loading and unloading requirements? What, what is everything um, that a company is going to need in order to be successful here? And then getting back with, um, if you're in the middle, getting back with your customer, you know, what, what kind of volumes are they expecting? What, you know, how often... Are they going to receive shipments? What hours can they receive shipments? How how flexible can they be with those hours, with those appointments? All of those kind of conversations ahead of time are just going to lead to more success. Yeah. And one thing I want to add to that is don't pigeonhole yourself. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of carriers out there. I mean, th there's there's a backhaul opportunity for somebody. So it's it's, um, you know, it's, there's, you know, reach out, you know, brokers, 
um, you know, we're here at the logistics company, 401-595-3003. We're happy to help. Love it. Love it. No, I mean, I, I'd say at the core of any of these cross industry issues is that communication. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think that the chemical companies need to necessarily curb any growth or need to be um, defensive with how they expand. Because at that point, once things settle out and other companies that didn't you know, take their foot off the gas um, make it past this logistical hurdle, then they're on top. And then you as a company, let's say you... You know, curb your growth because you were worried that the logistics side of things might not be able to ship all the product that you potentially could create. Um, now you're in a bind. Now you're behind and it's going to take some effort to catch back up to where you were before you took your foot off the gas. So it's it's a really tough balance. But I think if both the transportation side and the manufacturing side come together and really find the best way to proceed, um, I think both sides will come out, you know, on top. I mean, let, let's say the chemical companies assist on the logistics end for, um, you know, I don't know, marketing campaigns for getting more drivers interested in shipping these products, right? Like, what are the benefits? What are, why would they want to join this industry? I mean, it's really interesting that um, with this economic growth and with all these cross-industry issues, another core of the problem is just getting people excited about joining the industry and and filling that labor shortage Um it's, uh, it's an issue that I think is affecting a lot of different industries, too. Well, I'd like to thank you both for coming on the podcast and for giving your insights on this, this balance of finding you know, the right amount of product to ship out, how to ship it out, getting the right rates for the product. It's, um, it's a doggy dog world out there, like you said, and it's going to be tough to adapt. But I think if people focus on the communication and if the providers of the chemicals and the logistics end, the people that are shipping it out, whether it is the shippers, the receivers or the transportation companies, um, if they all get on the same page, then we should see some positive change. Yeah, certainly. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you all again for coming on. And any uh, any last points you'd like to hit on, just in summary, um, you know, any tips out there for other logistics companies or other um, chemical manufacturers for how to get ahead in this climate? Um, I, I would say it's it's just it's all about communication. It, communication is everything. We're all here to be problem solvers. Um, obviously driver shortage, um, tight capacity, that's that's an issue that affects all of us across a lot of different industries. Um, and and being on the logistics side of it, we, we see all of it, we're here in the middle. So um, the, the most, like I said before, the, the most successful orders are always the ones in which all of the parties were communicating effectively and all approaching it um, from a standpoint of their problem solvers. We're gonna work together as a team uh, just, just to solve the problem at hand. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of finish up, you know, here at the logistics company, we pride ourselves on communication, customer service, and, uh, you know, always trying to figure out a way, not sitting here, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, but okay, that truck fell off, we're going to find another truck. So, um, you know, there's, there, there's always uh, there's always an answer to a question. So we're, we're, we always work hard towards that. And um, once again, you know, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to look at your freight and uh, help out anyway. 401-595-3003. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again, Josh. Thank you, Alex. Thank you both for coming on the podcast and um, chatting it up. Uh, loved chatting and loved getting all of your insight on this. 
Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.